Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the Dream Business Coach, and I have a fantastic interview for you this week. Let me introduce you to Kevin Buff. He's a Florida real estate-based investor. He's a top iTunes podcast host and serial entrepreneur with over $150 million of real estate transactions under his belt. His extensive investment experience spans the gamut of apartment buildings, single-family homes, office buildings, raw land, condos, and his favorite and by far the most profitable mobile home parks. That's what caught my attention. That's what I knew I wanted to interview Kevin. Kevin holds the key to successful real estate investment with over 18 years of experience. He now educates investors how to locate, acquire, and create higher than average returns from this wildly misunderstood niche of mobile home park investing. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm going to skip the rest of your interview because I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah, Jim, I'm doing great. I'm very much looking forward to being here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you're in Florida, which we were just uh, talking in the green room a little bit, how Stephanie and I are we're down there every winter, and who knows? We actually became Florida residents because uh, why in the world would I keep paying uh, all that income tax to Pennsylvania, which I'll never be in again. So um, I'm really curious about this. When I saw, you know, because I got to be honest with you, we got a lot of uh, interview requests for um, real estate investors and things like that. And I've certainly done my share, but when I saw your niche, I was like fascinated. So how did you get into, like, you, I know it sounds like you're, you've got your hand on a lot of different things, but how did you kind of get into the mobile home parking section of the uh, industry? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I feel like everything that I've done throughout life is just being, you know, it's being at the right place at the right time, you know, all the positive things that, that have occurred. And, um, you know, I, I fell into real estate accidentally back when I was 19 years old and started, you know, buying single family rental properties and then moved my way up into apartment complexes. And then fast forward to the recession, pretty much lost everything, um, had a, a portfolio worth nearly $50 million and lost the majority of it wow. during the correction. And, um, built a few other businesses uh, during that period of time. Didn't really want to think about real estate um, because literally my world was ending, um, you know, for a number of years uh, due to my real estate investments. Uh, and um, ultimately, still had the bug inside me, still had the fire burning, and uh, that fire kind of uh, exposed itself in in the 2011 time period. And um, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Randy, and uh, Randy owned mobile home parks. It was an asset class I had never considered. I had owned. Um, apartment complexes, uh, shopping centers, some office buildings, um, some raw land, uh, hundreds of single family properties. So I've owned a little bit of everything, had never owned a mobile home park. Uh, in any event, I had lunch with Randy with no interest in his business per se, only an interest in just meeting someone new and uh, ultimately left that lunch meeting with Randy after spending two hours with him and had a newfound focus of mobile home parks and um, you know, gave myself a period of time, kind of set aside, hey, I'm gonna give myself a year to learn everything I need to know about that niche. I studied as much as I could, um, talked to other mobile home park owners and operators. And it took me about 14 months, a little bit more than a year. It took me about 14 months to buy that first park and um, 
first park went really well. Uh, bought a second park that went really well, third park, fourth park. And now today, that's all we focus on, at least at this point in time in our business. And we, uh, we own communities in 13 different states and are, are continuing to grow across the country. So, uh, wow. yeah, that, that's the quick 10,000-foot uh, view. <laughs> well, let's dive in a little bit because, you know, you said uh, with, the, with the correction, would that be like 2008, 2009? Yes. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So losing it all, um, how did you bounce back from that? I mean, I know a lot of people that took massive hits. And, um, you know, what's the mindset like if, if you were mostly in real estate, and I, I guess it's sometimes state dependent, but to watch your entire work and, and body of work get pretty much sucked away, how did that hit you? It, it was really tough, to be honest with you. And it, it's really hard to step outside your bubble. Um, you know, Florida got, Florida was kind of ground zero for the, the crash or other states that were hit just as hard. But lots of the contacts I had and the relationships I had were also here in Florida. And so everyone was having pain. Everyone was experiencing different types of pain if they were in real estate. Um, and so it was really hard for me to step out and see the bigger picture. Um, so it, it was it was painful. Uh, I was young. I mean, I was in my 20s still. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I'd never been through anything like that before. My only experience was real estate kept going up. And I, I thought I was a conservative investor. I had mentors. I, um, I studied historical trends and um, I kept leverage points very low. You know, so I thought I was doing everything right ultimately. Um, you know, I just, I, I, you know, it, 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 there was lots of things that were out of my control that ultimately happened that, that spiraled very quickly uh, in a downward trend that basically brought the tower down. And so uh, really, it's really what catapulted or, or was a catalyst uh, for me starting a few other businesses outside of real estate. Because at that point in my life, I, I literally, I lost my primary residence. Thank God I met who was my wife today. I met her during that period. I can't believe she stuck with me. But um, I mean, she literally became like a fi- financial support for me for a period of time. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm not going to say I was homeless living on the street. That wasn't the case. But I surely did lose my primary residence of foreclosure along with my bank accounts getting garnished and had, you know, uh, went from like having an 840 credit score to a sub 500 credit score. All my credit cards shut me off. I mean, it was, I literally had no, no, no credit anymore and had very little cash at hand. So it was a very challenging time. But in any event, I started a few other businesses, a uh, health related, uh, and that's kind of how I got through it initially was if there was one thing I could control, it was really my mental state. Uh, I was had always been into health and fitness, um, always really focused on my diet when I ate and, and also exercise. And so I thought that it would be fun to to build a business around that, something that I truly had a passion for, something that truly made me feel better, that could help me maybe not forget about, you know, the real estate, you know, uh, debacle that was occurring because that didn't ha- go away overnight. I mean, that literally drug on for many, many, many years. And so I knew it was going to stick with me for some time. But if I was healthy mentally and physically, then I would be, you know, at least at the top of my game in one manner and ultimately be able to uh, much better deal with the challenges associated with my real estate um, business crashing to the ground. Uh, and so that's what I did. Uh, I mean, you know, to answer your question of how I got through it, um, it was very tough, lots of down days, lots of very dark days, um, but just really focusing on what the next stage of my life was going to be like, focusing on these other businesses kept my mind clear and, and kept me at least feeling good. And uh, ultimately that helped carry me through. Well, and you, and you also know that your wife didn't uh, love you for your money. So yeah, talk, absolutely. Like, you like, like that. You know, before um, Stephanie and I moved on the boat two years ago, I was involved. I still support them financially, but I was involved in a charity called Good Works, and we rehab homes for low-income people in uh, Coatesville, Pennsylvania. And 
probably uh, every other home that we went into was a trailer. So I got I got really I got a whole you know behind the scenes look at these trailer parks, and it was interesting as we pulled through some of the you know on the way to the job site, some of them uh, very rarely but looked very well taken care of, manicured. You know, when I say a little picket fence, it could be a ten foot strip, a little plastic fence, but you could tell the person really took care of their their home, it was their home. And then uh, honestly, most of them seemed in, in quite disrepair. Mm-hmm. So how did you, I mean, is that the, is that your experience or how did you, was that a turnoff for you? I mean, it's, it's yeah. I'm so fascinated with this, you know, moment. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I'll, and I'll answer it by saying this, uh, in any part of the country uh, that you go here in the US, any city, any town, any municipality, you can find, uh, let's speak to residential neighborhoods, normal stick-built residential neighborhoods. You can find very nice A-class neighborhoods that are all white-collar individuals and in the best school districts. You can find on the other end of the spectrum, very low-end, you know, wrong side of the tracks, drug, sex, and rock and roll, um, places that you do not want to go even during the day. Uh, and then you can find everything in the middle, right? The good, hard, hard-working, middle-class folks. The same exists in apartment complexes, right? You can find very nice ones. You can find very low-end. You can find the middle of the road. Mobile home parks are really no different. Unfortunately, we we all kind of get all the mobile home parks get lumped into one bucket, and that is, you know, they're not desirable areas to live. They're full of, um, you know, rough clientele, people that don't have good jobs, yada yada yada. That's just not the case. They do exist. Parks that look like that do exist, um, but but we that's not really our forte. Our forte is purchasing. Uh, communities that are in good markets that are within good school districts that have uh, a you know a high demand for affordable housing that doesn't mean that we might not buy something that has some unsavory residents within it that haven't done a great job of maintaining their unit um, that might not be a great fit for the community that we can ultimately clean up and you know move the bad out move the good in um, but that's really what our focus is is really catering to the folks that want the best for their kids they want to send their kids to good schools they want a, a clean safe and quiet community uh, to live in and to raise their families in. They want good neighbors that are going to look out for them. Just like you and I in, you know, in, in our stick-built neighborhoods that we've lived in. And it, really the same thing applies here. Uh, we're not really in the business of purchasing the, you know, the, the places that are really on the wrong side of the tracks that are full of um, you know, the, the less than desirable elements of society. That's not really our business model. Yeah. Um, and that's true because I, um, I have been in a couple trailer parks through uh, some other charity work that we did with our church, like delivering Christmas gifts and stuff, but some of them uh-huh. were like, really nice. I'm like, my God, this feels like a, a it was a double wide and it felt like a home and they sure. stuck, you know, down on their luck. But so, so interesting. So how do you, how do you, how do you typically manage or how do you find out whether, is it just be by zip code or do you go look at all of these or are there, are there stats as to how, how, you know, how long people go in and then come out or do they own the units? A lot of questions in there. Sure, sure. Uh, as far as how, how do we find them? I mean, there's there's hundreds of markets across the U.S. that we've researched. Um, you know, there's certain demographics that we're seeking, but ultimately, just to give you a broad brush stroke, uh, you know, the entirety of the U.S. is facing a, a major affordable housing crisis. I mean, it, it doesn't matter uh, what part of the country you're in, uh, there is a lack of affordable housing. And so, there's very, very few markets within the U.S. where um, mobile home communities are not in, in high demand as far as uh, that type of affordable living for the local population to reside in. Uh, and so, you know, with that being said, um, 
you know, we, again, that's why we own communities in 13 different states. Uh, we're, we're expanding uh, pretty significantly. There's not many states that we wouldn't buy in at this point in time. Now, there might be a few select markets. For example, someone brought me a deal the other day that was in Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan is one of those cities that we would not purchase a community in many different reasons. It's there is not any lack of affordable housing there. The median home price there is $20,000. Uh, and so anyone can basically go buy a stick built home probably for, you know, five or $10,000. Um, the crime rate is, is incredibly high. The unemployment rate is, is, is in double digits. I mean, it's, it's just a very a poor part of the country. There's other areas like that, but for the most part, generally speaking, there is a huge demand for affordable housing in our niche. Um, the other part of your question, um, was do we own the units inside the community? In a perfect world, we would not own any of the trailers inside that park. Really, the, the, the core of the business is what we call a land lease community, meaning that we basically own the land and we lease the individual lots back to the residents that, that own the mobile homes or the trailers. However, with that being said, things happen. Um, there are situations where residents might pass and the heirs do not want that, that unit. And so the, the park might inherit that back, uh, inherit that, that trailer back. Um, there could be situations where someone's got to move for a job. They can't afford to move their trailer to wherever they might be going. In that situation, instead of that trailer leaving the community, uh, we might purchase it back from that resident and then we'll turn around and either rent it or sell it to a new resident to move into the community. So about 10% of our portfolio consists of units that we actually own, trailers that we physically own. Um, we've, we've got just about 2,000 lots under ownership. So about 200 units, physical units we actually own and the rest are just lots that we lease to again, the, the homeowners that actually own the trailers themselves, which is the preferable model and that model we're not, re, we're not maintaining their air conditioning units. We're not maintaining their roofs. If they get a plumbing backup, they're calling the plumber. They're not calling us. If their AC breaks, they're calling the HVAC company. They're not calling us. And so we eliminate a lot of the maintenance headaches that it's associated with the typical rental model. And so that is our core business. That's what we try to focus on. And uh, we try to uh, not own very many units, if at all possible. So years ago, I read, uh, you know, Ray Kroc's book or some McDonald's book and says, you know, we're in the real estate business. We just happen to sell hamburgers. So you're really in the real estate business. You just happen to That's own it. trailer parks. That's it. Absolutely. Very cool. Are there, um, are there large companies uh, that consolidate? Are there like big owners? Do you know what I mean? Like corporations that own trailer parks, kind of like, you know, the storage units and things like that. Are there corporate people or a lot of people like yourself? Absolutely. There's three publicly traded companies that, that have been in our space for many years. Um, those were the big, you know, 800 pound gorillas up until a few years ago. Um, the secret's kind of out. You know, there's been a kind of a secret society of, uh, of owners and operators in the mobile home park space. And up until, you know, the last 10 years or so, it was very much a mom and pop dominated industry with very few um, you know, what we would consider to be larger players in the space that own a number of different communities. However, that has made a drastic change over the last couple of years, uh, more importantly, the last five years. Like that's really where this big shift has, has taken place. Now we're on the radar of uh, lots of the large private equity companies. Blackstone uh, owns a number of communities. Uh, uh, Carlisle Group owns a number of communities. Apollo Group owns a number of communities. So there's very large private equity firms that have a large bit of their holdings in the real estate space that are now creating divisions and uh, uh, actively and, and, and aggressively acquiring mobile home parts because they see the 
the essence of the business model and they see the value behind it. So um, it is not, it's still very fragmented. If you really look at the statistics of it, it's still majority owned by mom and pop operators. However, that is changing very quickly. In fact, it's very similar. You mentioned self-storage. It's very similar to what probably self-storage was 15 years ago. Uh, self-storage now, it's, it still has some fragmentation to it. However, it is being consolidated very quickly and we're basically on that same trend. Uh, the only di big difference is there's very limited new supply coming onto the market in the mobile home park space. Uh, self-storage, very different. New, new self-storage facilities get built on a regular basis to meet demand. Uh, mobile home parks, on the other hand, have a very, that, that negative stigma we talked about earlier on creates a, this, this artificial um, uh, limitation of new, new supply being built or brought to market. Lots of municipalities, they kind of throw us in that one bucket where all mobile home parks are bad. Uh, and, and very few new parks every year get built because it's a basically a huge hurdle to get approval because no one wants it in their backyard, right? It's a whole NIMBY syndrome, not in my backyard. Uh, and so there's actually, it's, there's more mobile home parks that get shut down or redeveloped each and every year that are brought online. So we're the only asset class in the real estate world that actually has a diminishing supply. So now you got increased demand for a product, these big players getting into this space, but no new supply coming on market. So it's a very interesting dynamic that's kind of playing out. Not sure what the future holds. However, um, some positives have come out of it. Um, the competitions from our standpoint say negative, but the, the positives are, you know, the, the cap rates have compressed, so the units that we own, the parks that we own, if we get in and we're willing to get our hands dirty and, and, and take a value-add park and turn around and stabilize it, the, the exit price on the backside is significantly greater than what it would have been three or four years ago, uh, especially if we're willing to consolidate and pull together a portfolio. Ten years ago, if you owned 100 communities throughout the U.S., there were very few players that would be able to actually take that down in one fell swoop. Well, that is not the case now. Now there's, you know, billions of dollars coming from PE firms that allow someone like us to come in, do some consolidation, and ultimately have a pretty big exit on the backside if that's what we choose to do. It's very much like the marina industry, which is dominated by mom and pops, and just and there's a couple big players, a lot of, actually a lot of folks based in Florida, which no surprise, more boats in Florida than anywhere. But some of these big companies are coming in and trying to, and they're buying up smaller marinas and, and trying to add a little professionalism to them, which is proving quite difficult. But um, so how does somebody get into this? I mean, do you, or do you, I, didn't, I don't even know if you offer a coaching program, if somebody's into real estate, they want to invest, do you, do you help them do it or? Yeah, a little, a little bit of all the above. Um, we do have a coaching program. Uh, it can be found over at our website, mobilehomeparkacademy.com. So that, that's basically our business in the box. We originally put it together as more of a standard operating procedure for our own internal business and ultimately decided that um, there wasn't much other information out there on the topic and that we'd put it out there for others that want to get into the space. So you can um, you know, uh, hire us or I guess uh, purchase into our educational program if you want to learn the space. But in addition to that, uh, we've got a fund structure here uh, within our company where we purchase mobile home parks and uh, accredited investors can actually participate with us um, uh, as a passive investment and actually invest alongside us in our deals. So a couple different options, you know, those that want to be passive, that just want to diversify, get into the space, but not necessarily be active in it, you know, out there getting their hands dirty, um, can invest in our fund. And then those that actually want to learn the business from the inside out can um, get involved in our coaching program and ultimately uh, learn how we do what we do and get out there and get their hands dirty themselves. Well, unless I've been under a rock, it really seems like you got to, you really can, you're controlling this niche. Um, do a lot of mobile home parks have their own utilities? 
whether it be sewer or power or are they like self-contained units or, or not? Yeah, it, 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 you know, it varies. It really depends. Um, you know, there are a number of communities that are in a little bit more of a rural environment to where there's no municipal water and sewer available or, you know, one or the other might not be available. That's probably one of the biggest um, risk components of the space for new folks that are looking to get into it. Um, you know, very often we come across communities and we own a number of them um, th that actually have private utilities. And from a sewer standpoint, that can mean they have septic systems, they have a wastewater treatment plant, which is basically a miniature version of what the different municipalities use to treat sewage. Um, and some of them might even have a lagoon system, which is just basically a big cesspool. Um, in any event, there's, there's risk associated with each one of those sewer systems. There's mechanical breaks down that can occur. There's EPA regulations that can uh, be changed on a whim. There's different standards that you have to abide by that you do not have to abide by if it's municipal sewer uh, that you're sourcing from the local town. Uh, so that's one big risk. And the same goes with the water supply. Uh, either you've got municipal water, which is treated water coming from the local town or city that you're in, uh, or you've got a well system. In a well system, there's risk associated with that. You're the one that's actually, you own the water system and you're providing um, water to the residents and it's got to be maintained as clean and potable drinking water, right? And so there's, there's different regulatory standards that have to be abided by. Um, you, you just want to make sure that you're not poisoning residents, right? There's a big, there's a big risk there. And we I own wells, that, I we think. own sewage systems, yeah. And uh, you just got to make sure you do your due diligence, hire the, the, the right professionals on the front side before you purchase something that's got private utilities to ensure that, um, that you're not getting yourself into basically a ticking time bomb. And I've seen it play out and it can be very expensive. It can be very ugly. And um, I've seen parks actually get shut down shortly after someone came in new and purchased it. Regulatory, uh, regulatory standards got changed on maybe a well system to where it required a $200,000 upgrade. And that was never budgeted for. The, far, the park kind of went into a downward spiral and, and things didn't turn out too well. So um, definitely a big risk there. Nothing that can't be overcome. Uh, you know, with some planning and proper due diligence, but definitely a risk. Last, last question I have, and then I'll give you a chance for, to uh, share your, your contact information. If somebody's looking to get into this, um, and, you know, maybe, maybe they're into apartment buildings or, or, you know, single family units or whatever, what's the best size park to start with if there is such a thing? Yeah, you know, a lot of it comes down to uh, having enough revenue to to be able to afford uh, an on-site manager. Every one of our communities has someone that either resides within the park that oversees the day-to-day -day operations or they uh, reside very close by and they work within the community each and every day to handle rent collections, uh, late payment notices, dealing with vendors and such. And so you want to make sure that you your park produces enough revenue to, number one, support itself and all the expenses associated with it, but also be able to afford to pay competent individual to be the eyes and ears and to handle the day-to-day -day operations, unless that is you want to be the person that's there on the day-to-day -day basis, right? And so the, the, the typical size, and it can range, but I'd say if you just want to throw out a general figure, it's about 40 to 50 lots in size would typically provide enough revenue to be able to pay someone a, a good wage to actually handle those day-to-day -day operations for you. Very good. Kevin, it's really fascinating. Um, so glad I said yes. I want to talk to Kevin. <laughs> What's, um, how do they contact you? I, I know uh, kevinbuff.com, but then you also gave um, the information on your coaching program. So please do that again. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple different places. Uh, kevinbuff.com obviously is my primary website. I've, I also host two different weekly real estate podcasts. So you can find those there. Uh, for the coaching, it's mobilehomeparkacademy.com. And then for folks that might have an interest in, um, you know, passively investing with our company, uh, our company website is sunrisecapitalinvestors.com. So, so three different ways that you can 
uh, reach me, depending on what you're looking for. Um, I'm not too hard to track down. So one of those three ways, you'll be able to funnel it back to me. <laughs> Sounds great. Kevin, it's really, really great connecting with you. Maybe, um, maybe uh, next winter we'll make it up to the uh, west side of Florida and, and we'll have to uh, meet each other in person. Jim, I, I appreciate you bringing me on the show. And seriously, when you make your way here to west, on the West Coast, uh, hit me up and uh, I'd love to buy you lunch. Sounds great. All right. Have a great right. day, Kevin. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. That wraps up this very special interview with Kevin Buff. This is, this is a first in almost six years. I've never interviewed somebody who, who does uh, mobile home parks. So you hope you learned something today. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Connect with me on Facebook. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm everywhere. Uh, my free Facebook group is dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. And that is it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take great care. Bye-bye. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.